Our guest this week is Deco So. Deco is a software developer at a technical consultancy, but recently she's been spending her time building out a side project called Yodi Naturals. We're going to talk about that side project. We're going to talk about how she chose to do the project in the first place, what her goals were, how important it was for her to plan the project out before she got started, uh, what kind of technical decisions she needed to make, and what Deco learned putting together the launch page. If you're trying to decide whether or not to try a side project, uh, this episode is going to have some good information about how to put that together. So it's a great conversation, and I think you're going to like it. Before we start the show, one quick message. TableXI offers training for developer and product teams. If you want me to come to your place of business and run an interactive, hands-on workshop, I would very much like to do that. We can help your developer team learn topics like testing or accepting payments or Rails and JavaScript or managing legacy code, or we can help your entire product team improve their agile process. If you're in the Chicago area, be on the lookout for our public workshops, including our How to Buy Custom Software workshop. Look for that in early May and hopefully others to come. For more information, email us at workshops at tablexi.com or find us on the web at tablexi.com slash workshops. And now here's the show. Deco. Would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Um, yes, hi. Uh, my name is Dico. I am a software developer at Pillar Technology. I've been a software developer now for about three years, mainly doing some DevOps work, some web development work, and most recently doing some work on my side project, UD Naturals. Right. And we're here today to talk about the side project. Dico gave a very nice presentation about the side project at a conference that we were both at, PearConf, a couple weeks ago as I record this. And I wanted to give Dico a chance to tell her story here. So maybe we should start with what made you want to do a side project? Did you become interested in the project because you wanted the project to exist? Or did you want to do different things with technology than you were doing at your job? I've actually always been really interested in doing a side project ever since I kind of started doing some development work, just because I kind of realized how much freedom that we had in our current work and how much there was to learn. So initially, I was just really, really interested in trying to learn how to use new technologies specifically doing things that I wasn't doing at work. For example, my current work, I uh, do some consulting work. A lot of it is, you know, you come onto a project and, you know, you get something out of the door and then you're out. You don't necessarily see what it's like from the beginning to the end of the project. So I've always kind of just wanted to do something to do that. You were interested in doing things technologically that you weren't doing at your job. Mm -hmm. And then let's start with, though, with how you decided on which side project to do? Was it the first thing you tried or, or did you try a couple of different things before you picked the one that you wound up putting a lot of time and effort into? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I've had a wide variety of ideas for many years now. I think for like over three years, I've had random ideas here and there. Um, and I would say that of all these ideas, like nothing really stuck with me. Like I would be really, really excited about it initially. And I would do some research like for a couple of days. And then eventually I would just kind of forget about it. That's kind of how it happened for me. But with the current project that I'm working on now, I came up with this idea, I think about two years ago. And this was something that I was actually super excited about. And I talked to everybody about it. Um, and I still didn't actually do anything for about a whole other year. Um, it wasn't until my friends were super tired of hearing me talk about it that they told me, hey, we really like this idea. We really like what you're, you're doing, what you believe in, and we want to help you, support you, get this idea. So there was really kind of thanks to my friends pushing me that um, I finally decided to, to make the jump and do this. So what is the project that you're working on? So my project is called Yodi Naturals. And Yodi Naturals basically is a platform that I wanted to build for Black women, specifically with natural hair 
that are looking for like do-it-yourself hair care. And just kind of for those individuals that don't know what natural hair is, um, natural hair is basically hair that has not been chemically altered by any chemical straighteners or anything like that. Um, It comes in all shapes, sizes, textures, colors. It can range from wavy to coily. There's a wide range of variety between the two, and it can even be straight. Um, It's just kind of predominantly something that you would see Black women kind of wearing. So is the site meant to be kind of a, a recipe exchange? Are you trying to raise money from it, or are you just trying to find to provide a clearinghouse where people can say, this worked for me, and maybe it'll work for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually going to take a step back and talk about how I came up with the idea. So I was at the hair salon getting my, my hair trimmed, and my hairstylist mentioned that my hair was really dry, and she recommended that I look at some maybe natural hair care recipes. Um, she mentioned like using something like honey, for example. And I actually had never really heard of using like do-it-yourself hair care products for hair. So I was very, very interested. I went home, did some research to try to figure out how I could make my first recipe. And as I did that, I realized that there were a lot of really, really great resources online, but they were all scattered and all over the place. And it was really, really hard to find a specific recipe. For example, let's say that I had honey at home and I wanted a recipe with honey, maybe like a deep conditioner. You could find something, but it was just, uh, it was very hard parsing through it. So basically, I envision UOD Naturals as a platform for women to be able to post recipes that have worked for them and for other individuals to be able to more easily find those recipes. So really just like a centralized location for hair care recipes. Okay. And so once you had the idea, where did you start? What was the first thing you did with this as a project? First thing I did as a project. So after I had talked to everybody, you're saying? And yes. Yeah. So you did a bunch of research. Your friends pushed you to do this because mm-hmm. they wanted you to, to stop talking about it, basically. Yes. <laughs> Which is a great, that's a, that is a great motivating tool. Mm-hmm. So where did you go first? Okay. So like I talked to, like I said, my friends and they're like, this is a great idea, but like they don't have natural hair. So I just kind of want to make sure that this was something that not only would I see a benefit in it, but let other people would see a benefit in it. So I talked to my sisters who also have natural hair, and they thought it was a pretty cool idea. Um, I went to some events with predominantly um, women of color, many of them having natural hair, and talked about this idea. And I was pleasantly surprised at how excited people were about it. So that was the fire that got me started, just like everybody being really, really excited to hear about something like this that I'm building. So at this point, it seems like you've come up with an idea, you've sort of, you've given it some social proof, you found people, other people are excited about it. And now it seems to me like you have a couple of different problems. You have sort of a a bunch of technical problems to solve and you have a bunch of logistics problems to solve because you also have a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So you have some some issues about time management, I suppose, and how much time you can put on this. Mm -hmm. Um, I should say, like, how far along is is EOD Naturals at this point? Yes, so it's still pretty early on. Um, So far we have our launch page out, which I was really excited to get out finally. Mm-hmm. And now we're actually working on the um, the application itself. So we do have mm-hmm. um, MVP, a minimum viable product that we are currently building out. So still early, but you know. So yeah, I guess that's the third issue is, is a planning issue, like yes. to decide where, where what order you're going to do things. So let's talk about the planning part first, I think, because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that's sort of where we were. Did you try to use similar kind of project management tools that you use in your day job? Did you try out different things? Did you find that you wanted it to run more loosely or that you needed it to run more tightly? Like how, how did you come to your MVP set of features? Yes, that's actually really interesting because I feel like 
without even really thinking about it, I kind of just started pulling things that I use in from work. For example, when we first started talking about this, we set a lot of like initial meetings, kind of like a sprint zero type meetings where we were just kind of talking about the product, um, doing some ideating or ideation, I should say, and just kind of like nailing down the value stories or user stories to kind of help drive out the MVP and driving out those features. Who's we in this case? So actually, I mentioned that I had friends that helped me get started. So it's two friends, Connor Sweeney and Paul Schwinneman. These are individuals that I worked with. And like I said, they were very tired of hearing me talk about it. So they said, hey, we'll help you every step of the way. So they've been really, really helpful in terms of like just providing really good technical advice, just like being a good sounding board for ideas. You did your initial ideation sequence. You came up with a bunch of value of user stories. And then did you sort of do a prioritization session to try and figure out which things you wanted to do first? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I said, we you know came up with value stories. And based from there, like high level, I started kind of writing down some of the features that I thought would be like what I would have wanted to see. And the way that I did that actually was by building out a mock. Now, I don't have a lot of design experience, but I am a very visual person. So it was a lot easier for me in this case to build out the mock of what I wanted to see to kind of help drive out what the MVP would be. And based on that, just like I said, kind of writing down what I thought would be important. And then we did have a like a grooming type session where we kind of talked about, you know, what kind of work we estimated each thing would take. Um, and from there on prioritizing what we thought would be priority. What would you say, what did you learn during this prioritization process that you might pass along to somebody else who is looking to do a side project? I would say that actually, I think we did it a little bit differently than I would generally do it at work. It felt a lot more creative and a lot more fun. So basically what we did is we got a giant yellow poster board and like a bunch of markers and pens and just kind of started drawing and writing things out. And like, to me, sometimes I find like when just talking about it, it can be a little hard to express myself. But the fact that I had a pen and I could like draw something or I could write something, it really, really helped. Like I think the team just kind of really figuring out who we're building this for, what we were building and why we were doing it. So that was a lot of fun. So for some people that you know don't want to talk about it, like I said, it's a lot easier just to be able to visually be able to see that. Yeah, I think there's an interesting distinction here between like a side project that you do just because you want to learn a technology and a side project that you do because you really want this project to exist in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that you're doing. And I think in that case, that sort of prioritization is really important. I think people like have the sense that it's my side project. You know, there's only, it's only me or it's only me and a friend. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be very precise about planning, Mm -hmm. but I think in that kind of project, planning becomes really important. Was that your experience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. By treating it like a real project, it became a real project. So until I didn't see like, oh, it's just like a little side project that, you know, I'm going to work on on the side. Like when I used to think about it like that, I never did anything. I never made anything happen. But the moment I switched my mindset to say, hey, this is a priority. I really want this to exist. I want to see this through to the end. I started setting aside the necessary time to actually do this. And like I said, use kind of some of those principles that I think are very valuable at work and incorporating them. Um, within our planning process. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that as you give something the trappings and the some of the ceremony of what you would consider like a full-fledged project, then you start treating it like one. Absolutely. It reminds me a little bit of like, if I work from home, I I have to actually get dressed and do everything as though I'm going to work because mm-hmm. you know I need the 
the ceremony of to put me in work mode. Does, does that make sense? Does yeah, that... you almost have to like trick yourself because the moment you're like, oh, you know, like this is just side project. Like what I found is when I thought like that, I would go home and instead of putting in the work in my side project, I would like, you know, watch 30 minutes of TV. Oh, the show is over. Oh, I'll just watch 30 more minutes. And before I know it, like the day is over. Um, and of course, I do make sure that I still do balance my time so that I am still able to kind of do those fun things because I want to make sure this project stays fun for me and it just doesn't just become another job. Do you limit the amount of time you spend on it per week? I do. It depends on kind of what's going on. Generally, I find myself, I'm really excited. So like if I'm super excited and I like go past 10 hours, which is kind of like the minimum that I set for myself, I'll still keep going as long as I'm still enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I think it's important in a project like this. If part of the point of it is to be doing something that you enjoy, so I guess that's another point. So you can do this because it's a project you want to see in the world. It's a You can do it because you want to learn something or you can do it just because you find working on this thing fun or mm-hmm. any combination of those, I suppose. Exactly. But, exactly. but if you're doing it because it's fun, I guess it's important to, to try and keep it fun. Absolutely. And I mean, sometimes you will have things that are not so much fun to do, which is why I have that 10 hour like minimum I need to put in. <laughs> uh, where did the name come in? Really interesting. So when I first had the idea for this project, Initially, I called it Naturalista. And Naturalista is a name that is very actually commonly used in the natural hair community. So initially, I was like, oh, you know, this is a name that everybody knows what it is, right? And then kind of like talking about it with like my team, um, we kind of were wondering whether it was a little too generic. And maybe if I wanted to come up with something that meant a little bit more to us as a team. So we kind of had another brainstorming session where we had that bright yellow poster board that I mentioned before and just kind of used the backside of that, took markers, pens, and I started writing down words that meant a lot to me. So writing down words like identity, things like self-love, healthy, empower, sisterhood, educating others, beauty. I wrote down all those words on the poster board. And from that, like we just kind of continued writing things down, drawing things, having discussions about things that were relevant to us in this. And one of the things that like kept kind of coming back to us was the word beauty. And beauty was something that kept coming back because for a lot of us Black women with natural hair, our hair isn't always viewed as professional, as beautiful by other people. It's something that sometimes you wear it and it's viewed as political, So really beauty to us was about really defining it for ourselves, what we thought beautiful was. Like we think our hair is beautiful. So we're really claiming that word for ourselves, our heritage, our roots. Um, So like I said, I really like that word. And um, another discussion that we had as well was just kind of talking about my own heritage. As a side note, my family is originally from Senegal in West Africa, and my native language is Fulani. So some of my team members had heard me speaking Fulani words over the years. So they wrote down a few words. And like I said, as beauty kept coming back, it made me think, what if we use beauty, but if we use the Fulani word for beauty, which is Yodi? So then we ended up coming with Yodi Naturals. And initially, like, I really, really liked the word. I really liked the the name Yodi Naturals. But I was a little worried that it would be hard for other people because they don't know what it means from the beginning. But after kind of like thinking about it and talking to other people, we really decided like, like beauty, we're taking this word and we're defining what it means for us, for other people. That's really great. That's a great story. Thank you. So you have your friends, you have your, your yellow poster board with all your stories on it. You've mm-hmm. done your prioritization mm-hmm. and now you need to start actually 
building things. And as you say, like some of these things are things that you don't do in your day-to-day job, or at least don't do very often in your day-to-day job. Mm -hmm. So I guess, first of all, like what did you feel like you needed to learn right off the bat just to get this going? Oh man. So actually, initially it was just like getting it started. Like, I mean, I've made applications before, but like never necessarily the right way. So it's kind of like, oh, well, I'm spinning up this website. Like, I need to make sure that, you know, I set up a DNS, which is something that I had never done before. Or I need to make sure that I use SSL because I want to make sure that we don't get that annoying, you know, browser warning saying that my website is not secure. So there are a lot of things that, like, actually I wanted to do. Like, my teammates, those are some things that they had done in the past. But I wanted to make sure that this was something that I would do so that I would make sure that I would know how it worked. How did you pick the technologies that you were going to use? I can kind of talk about our launch page, for example. So our launch page, we're using React. And the reason that we ended up picking it actually was one of my teammates was like, I want to learn React. And then I was like, oh, well, that sounds good. I've never really used React. So that sounds like something fun to use. Um, We're also using a lot of like AWS services. And main reason is, I mean, I hear about AWS everywhere. A lot of people are using it. People by job are using it. So I really just wanted to learn more about those services. And for the current app, what we're currently building we are also still keeping React. And also we're using Rails for the back end. And the main reason we're using Rails in this case is because it's something that's familiar to us. Because I really like learning, but also I want to make sure that as I'm learning, I'm also going as fast as I can. So something familiar and some new things here and there. I normally have a rule in a client project where I allow myself like exactly one new technology. Mm-hmm in a professional project so that most of it is familiar. But Mm -hmm. I think for a side project, I would allow myself a little bit more. But exactly. Yeah, I totally understand that mix of I want something that that my feet on the ground, unknown ground somewhere. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I want to learn. So your day-to-day, your Rails Rails is your um, day-to-day? Actually, no. (laughs) Um, In my day-to-day, well, I work for a tech consultancy. So really, it just kind of, it varies. Um, But for my current project, um, I am using Angular, actually. (laughs) <laughs> not React, Angular, but which is why I was kind of interested in doing React because it's a little bit different. So is Rails coming from other experiences? Yes, Rails is prior experience, yeah. Um, actually, well, along, I, I do, like I have a full-time job and also do some freelancing on the side. So I am working on um, doing some like Rails things for a client. So that's kind of where I get some of that experience from. And that is a lot of things to keep uh, moving at once. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's very hard juggling everything sometimes. You, you decided to host everything on AWS because you wanted to learn AWS. Mm-hmm. What has surprised you about React, for example? Like, how did you find it, especially since you already were using Angular? Mm-hmm. I think React, like I just mentioned, it was something that one of my teammates wanted to use. So, like, um, React wasn't completely foreign just because, like, it is a little bit different from Angular, but it's still kind of a similar concept, right? But I have to say, like, for me, like, initially, I think the biggest thing that made me really excited to use React actually was styled components. Um, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's just basically having uh, CSS in your JavaScript code. And this is something that, like, I don't think in the past, like, if you had told me, oh, you could put your CSS in JavaScript, like, that would be cool. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. I like those things separate. But, like, I really enjoyed that I could do that. So that was some, some cool things that I picked up using React. I have not actually done the the CSS styling in React. Like what makes it, and and I have a little bit of that initial reaction of of like, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I can also like, I'm not immune to like front end programming being fun when it all works together. Mm -hmm. So what made that little piece of it, like what makes that 
part work really well? Yeah, to me, it's like, it's all there. Like, as long as like, you're really, of course, you're, you're being very careful to like, make sure that your component is like, you know, not doing 5 million things. And it's like a 1000 lines of code, right? If it's as long as it's like a small enough component, like having your your CSS right there, and being able to have like all your media queries and everything right there within that component to me just makes it like a lot easier. Like if I want to go to this component and change the CSS, I can just go directly there and change it and see the code right there. And how have you found like working with AWS? Are you you using it just as a hosting service? Are you using some of the other server-side services? Like what? So with my current launch page, I am using a few things with uh, AWS. So I'm using S3 buckets, Mm -hmm. which actually I was like super surprised at how easy it was. I don't know why I thought it was a lot harder. Um, I have to say that to me, like AWS documentation can be slightly intimidating. So maybe that was why I had that impression that it'd be a lot harder. But there were a lot of like super wonderful tutorials online on how to do it. So like, you know, pushing up your React build directly to S3, the S3 bucket and making sure that it's configured for website hosting. Like that part was super easy. Like I did not expect it. And then like a big thing for me too is like, I want to make sure that like I don't get overwhelmed because sometimes like, oh, like picking the technical stack can be very overwhelming, right? Like, am I making the right decision and picking this over this? So I try to keep it as simple as possible. So like I said, initially just kind of having the S3 bucket. And then when I realized, oh, I really want to get rid of that not secure, you know, browser warning, then pull it like, okay, clearly that means that I need to use some sort of SSL, right? And then I realized that AWS has a service for that called Certificate Manager that provides like free public certificates, which is pretty cool. But then I realized, hey, in order for me to use SSL, like I need to pull in CloudFront, which is a CDN, because SSL certificates can only be um, used on CloudFront distributions. Uh, the AWS ones? Yeah, no, any, any. If you want to use it with S3 buckets, like you need to use uh, CloudFront, uh, you need to use CloudFront distributions. Yeah, so so the la- the launch page is actually serverless React. Effectively, you're you're serving uh, the React page straight from S3 bucket. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. I mean, that it's just like static stuff, so it's like really simple. But with the application, obviously, there needs to be a little bit more dynamic content. So that's where like we pulled in EC2 instances, which are just like virtual machines. So how has the implementation part been going? Have Have you been surprised by anything being harder or easier than you thought as you build out the full site? How far along are you? I <laughs> Very new. I think literally like I'm working on like my first feature that I think mm-hmm. I'm mostly happy with. Well, actually, one of the things that we decided to do was we decided to uh, decouple React and Rails. Like I know that Rails has a like a web packer gem or something like that that allows you to yeah. use React within it. But initially, we just we really did not like the idea of those two things being coupled. So I think we definitely made ourselves like made our lives a little bit harder because now we kind of have to figure out how to you know connect those two things. So that's something that like we haven't done yet. We're still kind of trying to figure out. But that's the one thing that I'm like a little nervous about. But like I still think it's a good thing that we're doing it this way. But yeah. So do you plan to be releasing small features as you go, or, or are you hoping to build up to your whole MVP before you put it out? Um, definitely. Like I think we like working kind of like in iterations, just kind of releasing some features at a time because like feedback is really important, right? And being able to show things to people and making sure that this is something that like people would use. So definitely building out like small iterations is the plan. How many people do you actually have working on it right now? So right now it's just three people. All three um, developers? Or, or yeah, we're all three in? developers. Yes. Um, there's other people here and there that kind of like help consult and like other things, but like three core people on the team. One of the things that's always stalled me out on working on this kind of side project that would become a real project is 
design things and and what I perceive as my trouble in making a site look good. Like what kinds of things have you done to learn more about that part of it or to bring in expertise for that part of it? Oh yeah, I 100% agree with you. Actually, to me, design is always something that I've been super interested in, wanting to do a little bit more, but like it's a completely overwhelming world. Oh my goodness. Like there's just so much to learn about design. But like there's a lot of like really great like UX people that I know that I kind of talk to. And one of the strategies that somebody mentioned is like, hey, like go out to websites that you really, really like and like see what they're doing, you know, and like try to figure out like, oh, like are there certain things that you can incorporate in your own designs? So that is kind of like a strategy that I decided to go through because I am not creative in that sense at all. (laughs) So that has been very helpful. So are you building your CSS from scratch? Well, I guess that's a very technical question about the design. Mm-hmm. Are you building the CSS from scratch? Or are you using a framework? Like where did you decide to optimize for time, I suppose, along that? So actually right now I am building everything from scratch just because like mm-hmm. the design has been super simple. But I think as the design gets a little bit more complicated, I may decide to pull in a, um, an additional framework here and there. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm just trying to keep things simple and just kind of add as needed. What do you feel like you've learned about design? Like, does the landing page as is, does it take like email addresses or anything like that? Or or have you done anything to try and, and learn about what on your landing page is compelling people or, or working? Um, Yeah, so that's an interesting question. There's kind of two things. So number one, I am actually using MailChimp to mm-hmm. host kind of like subscriber lists because I do not want to deal with that myself at all. And MailChimp seems like they're doing a really good job on that. And then the other thing is I actually am using Google Analytics for metrics, but this is not really something that I've done much with. This is something that I probably plan on doing something with in the future. But right now I'm just like with the time that I have, I'm just focusing on trying to get like that first feature completed. Did you find either of those tools easy to set up or hard to set up? It's great in a side project to know like this is not part of the part I want to learn or do. (laughs) And if there's any way I can offload it, that's great. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I mean, like I had j- just did some research online and everybody was talking about, oh yeah, MailChimp is really good at this. And like, that's something that I had never used before. So actually it was very easy setting that up. And as far as Google Analytics, like I just ended up using that because that's something that I've seen used on other projects at work. So then it was also pretty simple to set up as well. What's something that you're looking forward to learning or doing for the first time or almost the first time as you look out over the rest of the project, the next phase of the project? Like I said, I'm super excited about like the kind of some of the technical things that we're working on. But more so than that, I think one thing that I'm learning about myself is like, I generally like really staying in my own bubble and I don't really like going out and like talking to people as often. I don't want to say I don't like it, but I get really nervous about it. So this is really wonderful because this project gives me a chance to talk to people about what I'm passionate about and just get out there and like kind of help build up my own self-confidence in talking to people about what I do. Have you learned more about the subject matter itself? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There is so much to learn about natural hair and do it yourself. Because like, I mean, initially I built this out just for me to learn how to like better take care of my hair and like do my own do-it-yourself recipes. Like I have just learned so much about that world itself. It's quite amazing. Okay. I keep kind of going back and forth between super technical and super (laughs) non-technical questions. I have a more technical question. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems to me like search and like tags are going to be a really important part of this site Mm -hmm. for users. And I know you're not very far along, but have you thought about your data model or how you might manage some of those pieces, some of those pieces of functionality as the project builds up? Um, Those are, you're right. Those are absolutely key. That is something that we definitely have to 
figure out how to do. This is not really something that we figured out quite yet how to do, though. So you haven't decided whether to use like a, a search engine. I, I would recommend against that personally. Not using a search unless, engine? Unless you, unless you, or like, um, like Elasticsearch or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would recommend against that unless you really wanted to learn it. Really? Because I was like, Elasticsearch, like I hear so many people talk about it. So that would have been cool to work. No? I mean, first of all, <laughs> you should do what's right for your project uh-huh. and not listen to me for, in, in, in any way. Second of all, I've had bad luck with it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean bad luck is the wrong. I, I I've tried to use it in ways where where I found it like hard to get it to do exactly what I want. Okay. You may want it to do different things mm-hmm. that are easier to do. <laughs> One of the reasons I I, I kind of came to that is because I I like have found in various projects that search always winds up being a little bit more complicated than you think it's going to be, mm-hmm. and it's very amenable to at least in my client projects. Uh, I searched for this and why didn't it find that? Mm-hmm from the client and, and sort of an endless game of, of uh, whack-a-mole with that kind of thing. Oh gosh. So I guess, I guess I, I guess I'm warning you, uh, which is, a t- I, I, I don't really want to be doing that kind of thing, but I was just like curious what kind of thought you put into it. Oh, not yet, but I will let you know, <laughs> but thank you for the warning. <laughs> I'm re- I'm really curious. Cause I think that like that, that sort of like tag metadata and search things, it, it's in that weird zone where it feels like it should be generic and you should just be able to plug your project in, mm-hmm. but every project winds up being just different enough that mm-hmm. it never is quite It generic. never works kind of the way that you expect yeah. it to work, right? Yeah. <sighs> so, um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll make another but, one of my teammates work on that part. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you pick who works on what? No, uh, that's not. No. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's like, this is a good thing to learn. So like initially, actually what we do is like when we do come across something a little bit more difficult to work on, like we'll probably, we'll get together and kind of like talk about it. And then kind of go our own separate ways from that. So that's probably what we'll do around that portion. Yeah, that seems like a good plan. I actually, I yeah, I think that database tools for doing text like search have gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. But that's I don't know. I don't I don't really want to keep focusing on that. <laughs> um, what other pieces of functionality are you really looking forward to or really dreading having to put in? Oh well, now that you mentioned the searching, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm- I mean, I think like you're right. Like the searching and the tags and like all that stuff, like it's going to be a little bit more complicated. But I do think like a lot of the other stuff should be fairly straightforward. And I hope I'm not like going to hurt myself by saying this in the future, right? But I mean, the idea is like we want a user to be able to go to the home page, like view a list of all the recipes in some sort of order that we haven't really talked about very much yet. But a, a big thing, too, is we want to make sure that, like, anybody can, like, go to the website and view the recipes without having to log in. Because to me, there's nothing more annoying than going to a website and wanting to see what it's about and having to, like, register. Yeah, I agree with that. You're, but you're going to let people upload uh, recipes, too, right? Definitely, yes. But, like, there is a, like, difference there. Because, like, in order to upload a recipe, you are going to have to create an account. Because I think you do have to, like, agree to some, like, terms and conditions and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But just like to browse, you don't have to. Yeah. And that implies moderation and a bunch of other related topics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Have you given any thought to how you're going to manage that piece of it? Sorry, to manage? To curate incoming recipes. That's a a really good question. That is something that we kind of talked about, but we still kind of need to figure out how to go about that. Because depending, like, well, initially, I think for the first signups that we get, it's going to be really easy for us to kind of go in and just kind of make sure that everything is kind of conforming to the style that we want. But as it hopefully will scale a little bit more, it might be a little bit more difficult to do that. Um, so that's something that we're kind of talking about, but we haven't really kind of decided on an approach yet. 
the first piece of functionality that you got up was your launch page. How hard was that to get together? Man, so my launch page actually took me over eight months to complete. And really, the blocker for me was the design. I would say that initially, like, like within the first month, I actually had a design up there and I was showing people, oh, look at my design. But every time I like put something out there, I hated it over and over and over again. So like for eight months, I just kind of redesigned this launch page so often. Like it wasn't until one of my teammates told me, if you don't get this out to production, like by Monday, and I think this was like on a Friday, he like, he's like, I'm going to quit. So I'm like, okay, great. I guess I am releasing this out to the whole world to see. So I learned something really important there. And like, this is something that we talk about every day at work, right? Like you want to build things out, like you want to iterate over things, right? Like you don't want to do this giant, big upfront design. And that is exactly what I did. (laughs) So I mean, now in retrospect, I really should have just released something out month one and just kind of iterated it as I needed. So that was kind of a hard lesson to learn. (laughs) I guess the way I would put it in my experience is that like, Shipping things is a muscle Mm -hmm. and you have to like exercise it. Otherwise you get, you totally get out of practice. And I see that in all kinds of things. Like when I'm writing, if I, if I don't write for a while, it gets harder to do it. Mm -hmm. The habits you, you build sort of really can affect how you feel about work and how, and how you feel about the things that you put out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is something that like, I mean, this is a work in progress for me because I really like things to look perfect and I mean, it never will. Right. (laughs) So you just have to ship it. Well, Dico, if people want to learn more about Yodi Naturals or about you, where can they find you online? If you want to learn more about Yodi Naturals, I do have my launch page out there. It is Yodi Naturals, Y-O-D-I naturals.com. I also am on Twitter. I'm on uh, Facebook and I'm on Instagram. Um, I am currently trying to build up the social media profiles for Yodi Naturals as well, learning more about that world as well. But that's kind of where you can find me. Um, you can also email me at yodinaturals at gmail.com. Great. Thank you very much for coming on the show and telling your story. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Tech Done Right is on the web at techdoneright.io and on Twitter at tech underscore done underscore right. We're also available to listen wherever you get podcasts. The show is a production of TableXI, which is on the web at tablexi.com and on Twitter at tablexi. The show is hosted by me, Noel Rappin. I'm at Noel Rapp on Twitter. And it's edited by Mandy Moore, who's at the Ruby Rep on Twitter. And of course, if you like the show, tell a friend, a colleague, a boss, your social media network, tell me, tell anybody. That would all be very helpful. And a review on Apple Podcasts helps people find the show. TableXI is a UX design and software development company in Chicago with a 15-year history of building websites, mobile applications, and custom digital experiences for everyone from startups to storied brands. Find us at TableXI.com where you can learn more about working with us or working for us. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode of Tech Done Right. <laughs>